Broadcasting from Carbondale and Southern Illinois' premier comic shop. And now your host, superlative shaman of comic book knowledge, Dan Brown. Flash the mat signal in case of emergency for your host with the most on his mind, Matt Morton. Watch out, criminals. There's nothing funny to him about truth, justice, and the American way. It's Commander Harris himself, Scott Reed. And tuning in from the far reaches of no man's land, the mad scientist dream leader, Mike Ho. This is Campus Comics Cast. So, despite what our lengthy roll call on the theme song just told you, <laughs> this installment of the Campus Comics cast is starring Dan Brown and... Scott Reed. And that's it. <laughs> but that's all you really need, isn't it, when you stop and think about it? <laughs> so, uh, this episode, we're going to be... Uh, it's not a regular previews episode. Uh, we're going to talk about some other, you know, comics and news and things kind of going on. Uh, just me and Scott right now coming to you from Campus Comics at uh, 816 East Main Street, Suite B in Carbondale, Illinois. Uh, we're here every Tuesday through Saturday, 11 to 6. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us, number 618-457-6011, or you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, we got uh, some events coming up. We have Batman Day coming up this Saturday, September 21st in mm-hmm. store, and then next weekend... The weekend after that will be the Saluki Comic Con in Carbondale, which Campus Comics will be there. and Bird Comics will be there as well. So, yeah, so come see us there. Uh, we'll have some more details about Batman Day later, later in the episode, so stay tuned. And, of course, you can find the info on the Campus, Campus Comics Facebook page. Yeah. And uh, so I think right now me and Scott are going to look at a book we've mentioned we were going to go over previously, uh, Spider-Man Life Story. Uh, what do you think of the book, Scott? Well... I think it was overhyped to me. I had a lot. Really? Yeah. So I had a lot of people tell me that this they just really, really loved this book. And I guess I built up, built it up a little bit too much in my mind. Mm-hmm. So whenever I actually sat down and read it, I was a little disappointed. Okay. So I don't know. I won't go into any de- details about that right. yet. But that so initially, it was a bit of a letdown for me. And right. I, now I read all six issues basically within a 24-hour period. Mm-hmm. So, you know... But still, yeah, I was a little bit let down because it wasn't what I what I wanted. Do you feel? Would you have enjoyed it more? You think if your expectations hadn't been raised like that? It's you know even without the expectation of it being like super super good, mm-hmm. my personal expectation was for something a little bit different than what we got. Okay, and so I think I still would have been disappointed in it. Okay, well the conceit of the story is if you don't mm-hmm. know, and again spoilers from here on out. Yeah, if you ever read this and you don't want spoilers. Fast forward, because we're going to be talking yeah. about this. <laughs> this miniseries just wrapped up. Uh, so it's a six-issue miniseries by Chip Zdarsky and Mark Bagley and John Dell. And so it's uh, it's Spider-Man sort of aging in real time, right. starting in the 60s, going through the 70s, 80s, 90s to today. Each issue is uh, takes place in a separate decade mm-hmm. of his life. And so you see Spider-Man and his foe's age, uh, kids being born, people dying, uh actual consequences and you've got you know mm-hmm. some sort of real life world events going on at the same mm-hmm. time you know you have the vietnam war and different things right. uh, and sort of how the marvel universe reacts to that but you also have these sort of classic spider-man stories sprinkled in through right. the appropriate decades too of when they originally took place uh, so the first issue is the 60s 
Um, so I, so this one takes place four years right after he becomes Spider-Man. I think, yeah, it's 1966. So he's he's 19 in this story? That's that's how yeah, I took I th- it? because I think it says he's in college at this point right. when, the, when the story starts here. Yeah, I think it said in the like the title blurb or whatever that he was 15 yeah. when he got bit. So, Something like and that. And he, it, like, one of the first things it says is that you know, four years ago I was bit or whatever. Yeah. So, so he's basically 19 years old at this point. Yeah, and so the thing with this issue is, you know, the Vietnam War is going on. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of superheroes are getting involved. Word right. on the street is, is Captain America going to get involved right. with Vietnam? Again, something they really didn't address too much no, back in the, the day, time, yeah. you know, in the actual contemporary comics of the day. Uh, but, you know, there's the storyline of Flash Thompson is going off to war. Right. Which he did in the <clears throat> original stories as well. At some point he went to yeah. he went to war. I can't remember exactly when. Mm-hmm. But uh, but at some point, so yeah, he actually does go in, in the yeah. comics. Yeah. Right. But Peter is wrestling with should Spider-Man get involved? Mm-hmm. Should I go over and fight this war? And will he have to reveal his secret identity to do yeah. it? Yeah. And so you have him kind of struggling with this, and then you have Norman Osborn as the Green Goblin lashing out, mm-hmm. you know, and sort of the fallout from that. But, you know, Spider-Man meets up with Captain America, who is supposed to be going off to war, and just asks him, should I do this? And Cap tells him, you know, responsibility doesn't mean everything's yeah. on a global scale like that. Mm-hmm. You know, he's the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Yeah, not the friendly global Spider-Man, so... So here at the end of this first issue, we've got Cap in Vietnam oh, mm-hmm. a year later, and he's sort of uh, appears in this at this cliffhanger to sort of be working against the U.S. troops. Right. We find out later he's kind of working with both sides. Sides, exactly. Which... This was this was okay. This is one of the first issues that I had with the book is that they have events like this and they really don't resolve them. You know, See, so you have you have the thing with Cap and I don't feel like it got fully resolved. And you have you have some stuff with some of the other outs even some of the storylines with some of the characters, they don't feel like they get fully resolved. This to me this needed to be either be a much longer series or it needed to be um, I don't know, a little, a little less try to cover as much of the Marvel universe as it did. I feel like that's one of the drawbacks to the format they're doing mm-hmm. here. When you have a story where each issue set in a different decade, unless you're doing something on December 31st, right. 9 of that <laughs> decade, you can't have a cliffhanger going right. into the next issue. This totally plays like a cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. Like, what's going on with Cap? We're not gonna, that's not going to be resolved. No. That'll be resolved off the page. Right. They make reference to it later in the book, but you don't, you don't get the traditional cliffhangers yeah. with this story. I just, I just felt like that a few more pages to ish, each issue... Yeah. And they could have at least done some exposition or some, you know, had some of the the flashback type of things where, you know, Peter encounters something the decade later that reminds him about what happened and could have resolved some of those storylines. I just feel like so many of those storylines just are just are unresolved. And I know that. And like you said, you know, it's it is the drawback of a decade per issue. Mm. But I don't know. It just felt it just felt incomplete. I will say I am surprised knowing Marvel that this wasn't a 12 issue series, at <laughs> least or something like that, because I think it is a solid story. Mm-hmm. But again, you're going the decade by decade. And again, Cap in Vietnam comes up again later in the story, but it's never the focus of the story. No. This is Spider-Man's story. And so you're sort of getting things as they're occurring you know, around him. And we're sort of in and out of different stories mm-hmm. like that. So, yeah, and in that, like, one thing I think that's important to talk about, like, on, on these books is, like, the covers. So, like, the, the covers of each one, you know, kind of has a, a Spider-Man scene and a, and a lot of times it has something, you know, like the, the politics or the event that's going on. Yeah. So, like, the cover of issue one is Spider-Man web-swinging off of helicopters, which is the whole reference to Vietnam. Yeah, it's Vietnam yeah. era. So, I think that I do really enjoy the covers oh, of yeah, all they, of these, these issues. Oh, yeah, these covers are great. Yeah, these are, these are, the covers are outstanding. 
Um, but uh, yeah, so it's just it's just one of those things. So <laughs> now the cover to the second one. I love this cover. That's a really so we got the, so here we're at the seventies. So we got the disco ball, right? Yeah. Which has a which has one of uh, Green Goblin's you know jack o' lanterns. Um, or pumpkin grenades, I guess I should say. Yeah. But you also have with Spider-Man, it, it it implies it's that whole Gwen Stacy scene with him holding, you know, on the bridge, holding up above, yeah. and then has the web holding down because he's actually holding up the the disco ball. That's not what we get, but that was the implication that I had from this and that's, cover. That's one of the big things that's not in this story, right? You know, that's one of the major points this deviates from is so because of the events in the last issue, Green mm-hmm. Goblin's locked up in the seventies. So you don't get him throwing Gwen Stacy off the bridge and all that. Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen. But Gwen Stacy's in here, yep. and uh, her and Peter end up working for Professor is it Warren? I think the guy, yes. the guy mm-hmm. that clones, and we all know well because because Peter's working for Mister Fantastic. Yeah, and this is and this is like this is just one of those things where it just this to me this is my big complaint is this felt like an Elseworlds or a What If story? Oh, for sure. And I really. So I really feel like they could have told. I would have. What I wanted was to see this story, um, as it as you know the events that unfolded in the actual comic, how they would have played out with an aging Peter Parker, not a perpetually young Peter Parker. And I felt like what we got instead was this what if story. So what if Peter Parker actually aged, as opposed to how did Spider Man handle all those events as if he had actually aged. So it's just a little nuanced thing. I feel like there, really kind I feel of like there is some of that, though, because we do get the secret wars in the 80s, mm-hmm. and, you know, you have an older Spider-Man dealing with that, mm-hmm. you know, where he's starting to lose a step, right? you know, later and things like that. But, yeah, but it is the, you know, they do, it does deviate quite a bit with this kind of stuff. So, well, and, th- and this is another point. So, like, um, here in the second issue of, of the story, Sue Richards has left Mr. Fantastic. Yeah, for Namor. For Namor, of all people. And at no point, I mean, I mean, she plays around with the idea in, in the regular FF series. Right. That's really not something that's ever going to happen. So to right. me, that just kind of cemented this as being, this is just completely a what if. It has, after the first issue, it only loosely ties to events to, in, in Spider-Man's life. Right. So I just... That just that just bothered me a little bit. Well, I mean, I don't I don't want it to just be a retelling no, of Spider-Man's life be. either. Yeah. You know, but there should be you know you kind of see the gravity of some of the situations, and since we know that it's a finite story, there you know those individual events can have a in my mind can have a greater impact. Mm-hmm. So if they would have left the Gwen Stacy story alone, alone, like here in the '70s, they could have let Green Goblin escape. Right. We had that big confrontation, and now this older, more mature Spider-Man is dealing with that death. And how how that occurred instead of let's just throw in these characters, change everything in the Marvel Universe and not have enough space to actually tell that story. Right. I mean, I feel like they probably did have to make edits. You know, I get the I feel like there was a pretty tight timeline they're probably working on. Mm -hmm. Like they don't show it in the book, but I'm going to bet Chip Zdarsky has notes of how this timeline plays out to keep everything straight. And I do get the impression there's probably more stuff they wanted to throw in here, but again, six issues. Now, having said that, Peter still loses Gwen Stacy at the end of right. this issue because you find out Warren was hired by Osborne to create clones mm-hmm. of him, of of, of Osborne, of Peter Parker, and of Gwen Stacy. Yeah. Right, but <laughs> we find that the clones. Uh, it looks like the clones have died. Mm-hmm. Warren freaks out, saying that he has already replaced Gwen Stacy with the clone. Mm-hmm. So it's the original Gwen who has died. Right. The only one that survives is the Peter Parker clone that typically we know as Ben Riley from regular mm-hmm. Marvel continuity. So the Ben Riley clone and Gwen Stacy clone 
take off. Yeah. And this is, uh, to me, this felt like out of character for Peter Parker. He'd been with this woman for 10 years, maybe. Right. Right. And he immediately just has nothing to do with her because the one that he hadn't been with for the last 10 years is dead. I it just I feel like again there's a there's a little bit there's a time jump there at mm-hmm. the very end where they're leaving cuz now it says 1978 or before right. I think it was probably 77. I thought yeah, 1977. Okay. So this is a year later and then Gwen and Ben Riley are leaving. Leaving together. So mm-hmm. again, it's something we're not shown but I would imagine but there was the stress there's, there's the relationship some drama going on there but in between. See, that that those are the stories that I think they should have told in right. this. Yeah, is how those events yeah. impacted Again, Peter. If this were a twelve issue series, I feel like we mm. would have gotten some of that. Well, I, and I don't know if we. I feel like we cut. I think some of the backstory would have been better than some of the story that we got. And and then another thing, like, like in this issue, like they introduce new new villains. Well, quote unquote villains, you get right. like the Black Goblin. Right. It's like why do we need the Black Goblin introduced in this story? Right. It's Harry Osborn. He could just be Harry Osborn, you know, doing. You know, Green Goblin-y things. Why do we need to introduce this new villain? And we get several quote-unquote new villains throughout the course of this series yeah. that, you know, again, it doesn't tie into the original stories. And I, and like you said, I don't want the original stories either. I just mm-hmm. want to see how Peter Parker would have reacted to those original stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in the th- you know third chapter here, we've got the eighties. The eighties. So the cover. So yeah. <laughs> so the cover. We've got the definite reference to Craven's Last Hunt. We got we got a black suited Spider Man in the coffin and then at the top we have all the soviet missiles yeah. coming down um On so we had the whole cold war um russia versus u.s kind of is the backstory to this one um yeah go ahead yeah so the story starts out with uh mary jane in the hospital very far along in a pregnancy with peter's twins dealing with uh um I'm assuming Alzheimer's written Aunt May. Yes. And so that's really, this is really where the book kind of starts hitting it with Aunt May, mm-hmm. you know, and her, you know, degeneration as she ages and really kind of brings that up. But again, typical Spider-Man fashion, Peter Parker's not there yep. because he's caught in the middle of the secret, secret wars on the battle world. And I, like, to me, they tried to put a little bit too much into this. I really felt like that the time he was away, that could have just been when he was in the coffin, right, for the whole Craven's Last Hunt storyline. And they could have omitted a lot of this stuff for Secret Wars. Now, of course, then how's he going to get the suit, right? Yeah. So I guess that's why they had to include the story. I feel like, too, if he's not off the planet, mm-hmm. it, does, it's not, it doesn't hit him as hard as it does when he gets back where he's missed the birth of his children. Well, he would still miss the birth either way. Well, I feel like <laughs> he can di- he can get himself out of a grave and run home real quick. Yeah. When he's off planet, like, what are you going to do, do kind right. of thing? I feel like it just heightens it that much more, mm-hmm. having it be Secret Wars is why he's not there. But, again, he comes home now with the black suit. So, yeah. And, of course, it freaks Mary Jane out because she's never right. seen the black suit, and all of a sudden there's just somebody there. But I guess one of the one of the back-end parts of this one is that while they're gone to the Secret Wars, the yeah. Soviet Union actually fires missiles at the United States, and uh, the Vision is able to divert the one that was headed for Manhattan, though it still hits in, I can't remember where it hit. I want to say it was like, oh, they say. Like Pennsylvania or something? Yeah, Allentown, Pennsylvania. Okay, yeah. So, and then, you know, something happens to the Vision, but that, what happened to the vision? That never gets resolved. Yeah, <laughs> you know, which is well, kind of again, talked about. I don't about. think that's a major plot point. No. I think it just, you know, it's the issue of now he's just standing there intangible, and they mm-hmm. don't know is it because of the explosions. Is it just he's broken? Yeah. You know, that's all he can do now. You know, yeah. but it's not important to the story, really. No. But they spend several pages of Peter Parker going to Allentown and talking to Mister Fantastic whenever they could have, res- you know, had that conversation. 
back in Manhattan and mm. and taken up a page instead of three or four pages, well, and I then f- move the, the move the story further further along. I feel like they're getting more into what's he doing now, and like does he mm-hmm. still need to be Spider Man? You know, with these accomplishments he's achieved right. scientifically, and you know, working with Reed. I think again, just kind of showing how his life has changed. Mm-hmm. Um, but but they read and him do have the conversation about the fact that the symbiote is doing something to him yeah. beyond just giving him extra abilities. Yeah. So we kind of get the early hints of what will become Venom. Yeah, and we have a copycat in a black mm-hmm. suit going around killing criminals. Mm-hmm. It turns out it is Craven. It is Craven, and, and that's and they tie that to the Russian U.S. war yeah. as part of the reason why uh, Craven is doing that. Yeah, he thinks he's has cancer. And he thinks the world mm-hmm. is running out of time at this point. But yeah, but then we do have the black, you know, suit symbiote, yeah, saving Spider-Man, Spider-Man as instead he's buried of alive. instead of say, you know Spider-Man saving himself, which yeah. is what he did in the original, uh, if I remember right. Of course, it's been quite a while. Yeah, Craven's, it's been a while since yeah, Craven's last to hunt. But again, as he confronts Craven now, it is very close to just straight up Venom. Venom, Peter mm-hmm. Parker here too. Yeah. He actually asked for Mary Jane. Basically, I I assume he's asking Mary Jane to kill him at this point. Well, he says previously that they do have a they have plan if something happens, mm-hmm. and so it looks like she has like this sonic weapon. weapon yeah, that they, I guess it that, could have killed him. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But I feel like it is just like they think the symbiote is gone now. The last page we have the ending to Craven's Last Hunt, where he has the shotgun. shotgun. Where Craven mm-hmm. has the shotgun. But we see the black symbiote swirl out of it at the last second, and everything goes dark. Dark, yeah. So playing yeah, it to you know Craven merging with the symbiote. Yeah, so instead of Eddie Brock, we get we're going to have Craven. Yeah. You know. uh, and yeah, co- Eddie Brock isn't in here at any point. No, is he? no. And I, that's another one of those things. It's like he should have been. I really felt like that should have been, you know, something that they they dealt with in this story because yeah. that's one of the more popular Spider-Man right. storylines. It's like how how would a, an aging Peter Parker deal with that situation? And we get a whole new story. So. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying I disliked. Well, I don't want to spoil for a future issue, but I don't necessarily dislike. Well, I actually did dislike how that ended up being resolved, but that will be in later, what, six, right? Yeah, that's the last 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 issue. issue. Cover to four. So we got Spider-Man on the side of the, I guess this is supposed to be, uh, the two towers. No, yeah, no, that's that's the nineties. No, so this like is just on this. This is just a, like a skyscraper, skyscraper. Mm-hmm. looking at a reflection of himself, and one of the mirrors, one of the windows is cracked. Right. Yeah. And like, the reflection is not perfect either. No, and right. I feel like yeah. This is more an allusion to the spiders clone, the clone saga. saga. Mm-hmm. And I would agree the with 90s. that. Yeah. And again, you know, because Ben Riley does come back in here, mm-hmm. and uh, we do see Ben Riley now, and it's nineteen ninety five, and it looks like he is working as a reporter, as a photographer. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, so probably should back up just a little bit. So some other events that were from the Spider Man uh, storyline: uh, Otto Octavius and Aunt May actually oh, do yeah, get yeah, married. Yeah, yeah that right? does happen. Um, and then, of course, um, again off page, off page, right? But it's it's discussed. Yeah. It's discussed. You know, it wasn't a broken up marriage. However, later, you know, she leaves. Aunt May leaves Otto, right? Mm-hmm. And of course, that leads to the some of the bitterness that Otto Octavius has whenever he comes back here in issue in issue four. So, so yeah, I, they don't did they in in the Secret Wars? They didn't really say which side he was fighting on in the Secret Wars, did they? Because he was there. Oh, I can't remember. Because they just really had like that one battle scene where mm-hmm. you see Doc Ock there, right? But I don't remember which side he was yeah, on. I so tell yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we have an aging Doc Ock though now, yeah, kind of rampaging, and we have uh, I don't know. I'm trying. No, that's later. Um, but yeah, and the other thing too is we're getting sort of a progression of suits for Spider-Man mm-hmm. throughout the story too, as he gets older and he has more sort of armored costumes and things like that. And well, again, now he doesn't use the black suit anymore in the '90s. And so I, I wish like 
I'm sure this is probably just all designed by Mark Blake Bagley, but I wish we would have got suits that look like they were more from the decades they were from, mm-hmm. you know, like what the style of superhero costumes yep. were in the seventies, eighties, nineties. Yep. And again, I, I would definitely agree with that. So, yeah. Um, cause I feel like, I mean, they're not bad designs, but I feel like these are, could have been from any time, mm-hmm. you know, and I feel like it would have worked better well, for the story. Well, I feel like a lot of the suit designs could have been 90s, even in the, <laughs> the yeah. 70s, 80s, 90s, and 2000s. They felt like 90s designs, yeah. you know, with the armor and the padding and, a, and, and, and a all that bit, stuff. There's a little bit of continuity, I think, between maybe the 70s, what we see at the beginning of the 80s, but it doesn't it doesn't look like a progression necessarily. Mm-hmm. It just looks like, you know, they they're all look like Spider-Man suits, yeah. but you don't you can't really track the evolution as you look at them. Um, yeah, they they feel like they jump around quite a bit. Yeah, uh, so uh, Octo, Otto kidnaps uh, Peter and Ben Riley, and then mm-hmm. uh, Harry's there helping out. Uh, Otto tries to kill them. Harry jumps jumps in front of one of Otto's legs and dies. Mm-hmm. Um, we find out that who we've known as, as Peter Parker is the clone, and Ben Riley is the original Peter. Like was continuity there for a while, while. in the nineties. And we do see here at the end Ben Riley wearing the blue hoodie, and he has made himself a red uh, Spider-Man mask, mask without the webs, like mm-hmm. the Scarlet Spider costume from the '90s. And Peter kind of walks away from everything and gives, you know, ownership of Parker Industries and everything. He basically gives Ben Riley his life. His back. life, exactly. Yeah. Um. And then we find then uh, Peter goes to see Norman Osborn, who is sort of hiding out now mm-hmm. as an old man. Faking senility after he yeah. gets out of prison, right? And Peter says, I know you faked the test results. Mm-hmm. Peter is the original Peter Parker, but he just kind of did something nice for Ben Riley. Right. what it amounts Well, and to. he was looking you know, for an out. He's yeah, getting, he knows yeah. he's getting older. He was looking for an out. So he found an out. Yeah. But uh, this probably isn't the way anyone thought a uh, Spider-Man Green Goblin rivalry <laughs> yeah. would end was with... with Norman just having a heart, heart attack, attack and dying mm-hmm. there yep. as an old man. Yeah, I kept I kept waiting for I kept waiting for the goblin glider to come flying yeah, in. Yeah, for sure. And, yeah, and, you and it was it. there. Yeah, and it, it was there. To Peter and he grabs it, but he mm-hmm. crushes it this yeah. time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you know Peter rejoins Mary Jane and his estranged kids <laughs> at the end of that one. So nope. uh, on to issue five, the aughts. The aughts. Uh, yes. We've got a nice uh, sort of American flag, flag. with. Uh, what seems to be a pool of, I'm assuming, blood. Yeah, well, I don't know. It's just anything know. that he's he's trying to... I, I, I'm not really for sure what this one's supposed to represent. Of course, you know, we obviously have 9-11, you know, as in the, the, one of the major events from the 2000s. Yeah. And, and that is dealt with, at least in a few panels. Yeah, uh, and I, I mean, I think a lot of it looks like Captain, Captain America's America. suit. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, you've got Civil War going on, yep. which is kind of alluded to here, too. Again, yep. it's sort of a different take on it. Uh, okay, so now we're in 2006, and then Moreland shows up and kills Ben Riley, Spider Man. Mm-hmm. So Peter has to come out and say, "I'm Peter Parker," because now uh, Tony Stark has sort of yeah. Tony Stark's had his eyes on Parker Industries for a long time, and, yeah. and Tony Stark now in this is completely still the weapons maker. That's how yeah. Stark Industries make their money, and of course now Peter Parker is the pacifist and doesn't want to sell out to Stark Industries, doesn't want to uh, you know make weapons. He wants to do other types of tech, yeah. and Stark has been trying to constantly buy his business, and now Peter comes forward to basically he comes forward primarily to prevent Tony Stark from buying his company. Yeah, and Tony is is Secretary of Defense at this point yeah. too. He's <laughs> so, the other part of that. The Superhero Registration mm-hmm. Act has gone through. Yep. Uh, 
most superheroes have fallen in line. The Registration mm-hmm. Act is a thing. Some of the same ones from the original Civil War storyline are yeah. still they join Cap's side yeah. on the on the other side because you still have you know Luke Cage and Daredevil and and uh, Cloak. I remember them all being yeah. on uh, on Cap's side during yeah. that. And there is a quick reference to that they have just caught daredevil mm-hmm, right. found out he's a blind civil rights attorney and tony even says let's hope that doesn't get out yeah because that would look very bad for their side mm-hmm. but again we have a confrontation here with spider-man and iron man um and then cap kind of shows up and helps out but the other thing is moreland has tracked down spider-man's family mm-hmm. now he's kind of been living out in a rural area somewhere just sort of hiding from everything trying to have a normal life. Yeah, I guess and we I assume that he tracks them down because he can detect the children as being lesser yeah. spider totems yeah. uh, than what uh, Peter is. So he's yeah. hoping to draw Peter Parker back. And I tell you what, I avoided all that Moreland spider totem stuff back and what's happening. I'm not really <laughs> up on that and I've, I'm okay with that. It just sounds like a nightmare to me, especially after the clone saga. But well, it it's and it turned into I I don't know. It, it was kind of fun. That was the well, that was the J. Michael Straczynski run. You yeah. had Ezekiel who came in and kind of like a mentor to Peter Parker prior to warning him that Moreland was coming. They referenced that uh, in yeah. the story as well. Um, to me, Moreland was extremely powerful. Moreland defeated a uh, a Captain Universe empowered uh, Spider Man. So the fact that his two children were able to defeat him was uh, kind of a little iffy to me yeah. as well. But again, they got to move the story along, so we don't get, uh, you know, we don't get, uh, you know, as much there as what we should. Um, at least that's my take. Yeah. But I guess I guess that's important for later on whenever somebody else has to take over the mantle for yeah. Spider-Man. So they they are capable of doing that. So the story, this issue ends with Spider-Man kind of leaving with Cap and their uh, rebels. Mm-hmm. And then we have issue six, six, which is the teens. Yep. And here, I guess, it's, I guess it's just supposed to be Spider-Man in space. I guess is what, or is that actually the costume? Is is it just the costumes? Like he's not even in the costume, is he? No, the costumes. Yeah. This felt more like Spider-Man No More, more to me. Mm-hmm. Okay. But again, just a real dark black cover as opposed mm-hmm. to the other sort of monochromatic, real bright covers that we've had throughout the series. Um, so yeah, now we are in 2019. 2019 so yeah really jumping ahead and you know the beginning of the, this issue um peter is telling mary jane he keeps dreaming about the robber that mm-hmm. got away that killed uncle ben but we have a peter parker who's starting to look like uncle ben, ben. now mm-hmm. too yes. he's aged so much <laughs> uh so we start with uh peter and now miles morales who is also so, mm-hmm. you know part of this uh going off into space to fight uh sort of sabotage some of dr doom's yeah i guess after the civil the civil war doom is able to get a little bit of a stranglehold um on you know, people are looking for somebody to to give them some some a symbol of normalcy and doom is who they flock to for some reason so yeah they're trying to undo doom's control over the yeah. planet having said that we don't really get into that in this no. if any this would be if that were a big crossover this is a tie-in issue yeah. to yes. that. You know, um, it's kind of how this plays out. It kind of felt like, to me, a little bit of a reference to the the later Secret Wars, mm-hmm. because in that one, Doom steals the power of the Beyonder. Right. But this is he's Doom's not at that power level yeah. in this story. But it kind of I I took it as a pseudo reference to yeah. that because because otherwise this story does not take place. It's not like you can tie this to any other Spider-Man story. This is a completely new. Well, Spider-Man I feel like story. you can tie it in a little bit to the Superior Spider-Man. 
Well, the I the feel, part with miles, but, but not the whole outer space thing. Yeah, yes, no, no, no. Yes. but they are they're cramming a lot yes, into this issue yes, too, and I think they they're are. trying to kind of get a few different things in here. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have to go to the space station for their mission, and out jumps Venom, yes. which is Craven. Craven, Venom. yeah, he's even got the it's little very, yeah the little the vest. lion uh, vest. Yeah, so it's a very hairy Venom. <laughs> uh, I kind I don't know. I kind of like that mashup design of it. Yeah. But it it kind of feels like those. But uh, I don't. I don't. Infinity warps to me is yeah, what it feels yeah. like. Yeah. But I don't know how I'd feel about if this were just Venom, Venom. Yeah. You yeah. know, which is all we really get in this story. Mm-hmm. Um. So Peter and Miles have to fight Craven Venom. Right. Um. Then Parker <laughs> reveals that he knows Miles is actually Doc Ock. Yeah. Well, I like. I do like how they show whenever they defeat Craven Venom that after the symbiote is apparently destroyed that Craven is actually just bones. He's there. He's not yeah. actually even there anymore. So yeah. it's just, so the, it's just his skeleton on the inside. Yeah, he, <laughs> even in the eighties, he's starting to look pretty old. Yeah. And so, you know, you would assume it's just a symbiote in control at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So kind of combining the superior Spider-Man story and then bringing right. in miles Morales, Morales, we have Otto has taken control of Miles's body. Mm-hmm. Like he did with Peters in the regular continuity. Yeah, and this and this to me made sense because an old Otto wouldn't want to get an old Peter Parker's yeah, body, exactly. so he goes after the young Spider-Man's yeah. body. So yeah, I thought that was a good. That was actually a good switch over and a nice surprise for me yeah. in this last issue. Yeah, because I, you know, I I read Superior Spider-Man what was going on. Oh, and I loved Superior yeah, Spider-Man. I wasn't even thinking about that when I read this. Though, <laughs> again, they've strayed so far. Mm-hmm. But so we get a pretty big uh, fight scene here for a few pages, sort of in Peter's mind, where Ock is with all these other sort of classic villains. And like, how are you going to defeat all of us? Well, it's all these different versions of Spider-Man we've seen throughout the book now, Peter Mm -hmm. in his various costumes. Yeah, versus basically the Sinister Six. Yeah. Yeah, for the the most part with Venom, you know, so. And then... Yeah, but who what actually saves the yeah, day? Exactly. Aunt yeah, exactly. Aunt May saves the day. So, <laughs> and I guess we should mention she passed away several issues ago. So, yeah, yeah a couple of issues ago. So yeah, and just uh, you know, just sort of letting Otto know it's okay to move on, you know, that kind of thing. But here, especially this really this page here with Peter, you know, aged Peter talking to Aunt May, he really looks like Ben here. Yeah, you know, what and I mean? I, I'm sure that's what they were going oh, for. Yeah. yeah, absolutely what they were going for. So. Uh, so then, you know, back to the space station, everything's falling apart. Mm-hmm. There's one escape pod. Right. So Peter throws Miles in mm-hmm. it and lets him go. Yep. Um, he, Peter's trying to hold it together. It's like the it's like the boat scene in uh, in uh, uh, Homecoming where he's trying to yeah. hold the boat together and, and he he's, runs out of web fluid and he can't hold the space station together anymore. Yeah, he has to hold an entire space station together now. So though. who saves the day? The symbiote comes yes. in and patches a large hole, but, you know, they, they sent out the signal, which was their mission, and then the space station explodes Explodes. Mm -hmm. so we actually have a death of peter parker at the end of this story um and then miles visiting doc ock but you don't see peter die so the symbiote could have saved him if they do a sequel to this (laughs) no i'm i'm taking this as for this continuity this is how peter died and i I feel like it's a good ending to the story but they don't show it and if marvel can decide they can make some money off of uh, six well, issues see, of decrepit Peter Parker. You were saying you felt this story was overhyped. I feel like Marvel didn't hype this up enough. I feel I, like okay. W- I feel like no. I agree with you that Marvel didn't. Marvel yeah. didn't hype it, but from yeah, no, from word of on mouth word of and, mouth yeah. on this book was that it was just so so yeah, good and and like that there were scenes that were so incredibly touching and people yeah. crying. And I'm like, 
that it didn't do it for me. Yeah. It did not do that for me. So so at at the end here we have uh, Peter's dream again of the robber going by, mm-hmm. but now he stops him is what's implied here, yeah. and you know he has saved Uncle Ben, which you know alluded throughout the stories that would is that's what he's been trying to do since the beginning, you know, is making up for this mistake, <laughs> you know, with his great responsibility. Uh, I thought it was a really good ending. Yeah, and then they, then, oh yeah, and then right before that, he they pass. I mean, there's yeah. like a formal pass into the mantle over to uh, Miles Morales as well. Yeah. So, yeah. so there's still a Spider-Man out there. Mm-hmm. You know, you could always do Miles. Yeah, <laughs> life. You know. Well, I mean, maybe they did Life Story Two, where Peter comes back for the first his first decade, and he's the mentor yeah. to Miles Morales, and then he passes. Right. But no, I don't. Uh, I just. To me, there was there was too many gaps. Uh, they didn't give enough time to some of the things that they should have given more time to. They deviated too much from the original stories. Once you get past the first issue, it's just, you know, shows that, oh, here's where we're trying to tie it into this decade. But mm-hmm. I just I just didn't really, I didn't feel like it really tied it in very well. So, so I was a little bit of a letdown for me. I'm still glad I read it. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't really read a whole lot of Chip Zdarsky. I know I should have read Marvel Two and One by now. Oh yeah, because that's the book that I think most people say when you when you want to read good Chip Zdarsky, that's what you should read. Um, I will probably still read that at some point in the future, but this doesn't make me feel like I gotta oh I gotta go rush out and read Marvel Two and One right now because right. this was so good. I felt like there was just way too many holes in mm-hmm. in this story for me. So I feel like I'll agree with that, but I feel like it is due to the format. Yeah. Of the book, of the, you know, X amount of pages per issue. We're going in a decade an issue. Again, you know, it really kind of kills any kind of cliffhanger you're going to do, even when yeah. it looks like there is one. Um, I really enjoyed it. Um, it's very reminiscent of the John Byrne series, Superman, Batman Generations. And that I, have, I, have not read, I have not read that. It's so. a similar format. It is by decade, and it is Superman, Batman, starting in 1938. But don't they do like four issues per decade for that series for generations? Or am I? Although no, no, they did there multiple were, there generations. Were multiple series. That's right. That's there right. were about three or four maybe mini series okay. they did where they kind of go all over the place. Mm-hmm. The f- they're all good. The first is really strong, and it's sort of the same thing where they age in real time. Like okay. Alfred dies in the '60s, I think, and stuff like that. So, but it was and it deals with legacy a lot too. Okay. Like Batman dies, Robin becomes the new Batman, and that sort of. And then Superman has kids, you know, and that story. The later series went all over the place. They go into the future with Superman's <laughs> descendants and Batman's descendants and things like that. So they really just kind of let John Byrne run wild for a while with that series. Well, it's an, it's basically an Elseworlds yeah, story. It, was, so it, it, was, it doesn't it really matter. Yeah. It was an It was his own kind of little corner he had there for a while, and there was some really good stories. But again, it's a similar format to this. Mm-hmm. So if you like Life Story, maybe check those out too. Or if you like those, check out Life Story. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, I just I feel like they should have focused there. I guess it's weird to say, but there wasn't enough focus on Peter Parker. I think in Life Story, there was too much bringing in extra characters, taking away pages from what should have been Peter Parker's story. I feel story. like you could say that about Spider-Man books in general. Well, well, <laughs> but I'm, I mean, well, that's and maybe that's a problem why we have so many stinking you know, Spider-Man yeah. books on the shelves. Um, you know that we that uh, and it's you know. That's one of the problems, I think, in the comic book industry is there's just too many books right now. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, Spider-Man's uh, always had a really strong supporting cast. Oh, though, yeah, too, yeah. You know. But this one should have really emphasized Peter Parker yeah. more. Uh, is, you know, it's about his, it's about Peter Parker aging, so we should yeah. have had, you know, it should have had more focus on him. So, like, I would have given it, like, a, I don't know, like a fine, you know, grade. I wasn't, uh, I didn't dislike it, but it's not, it's not something I'm, like, 
you know, ready to read again. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll, I may read it again at some point in the future, but right. if I don't get around to it, it's no, I don't think it's any big loss. Yeah. I'll go very fine with it. I really enjoyed the story. I could see going back to it. Uh, there's not a lot of Marvel stuff I will. <laughs> uh, I think, you know, the big thing is Marvel doesn't have that Watchmen, Dark Knight Returns kind of story, right. you know, that they keep in print forever. You could just throw it somebody. Um, again, another reason I feel like they didn't hype this story up enough because, like, you know, getting this book monthly as it was coming out, people were coming to the store. I'm like, oh, yeah, check. You're getting Spider-Man. Check this out. And then mm-hmm. they're like, oh, I hadn't heard of that. <laughs> Why haven't you heard of this? The way Marvel hypes everything Thing else. else. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Every single 50-issue crossover. Yeah, they hype, I know. But... but, you know, this one self-contained miniseries flies under the radar somehow. Uh, again, that's talking about a Marvel Spider-Man book flying under the radar. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I reread this getting ready for the podcast. And uh, so I decided, as I was reading, to turn on a YouTube mix of music from each decade for every <laughs> issue. Uh, turns out, so f- the 90s, the first video that came up was November Rain by Guns N' Roses. <laughs> Turns out it takes exactly the same amount of time to read this issue <laughs> as it does to watch the video for November Rain. So time that out if you want. There you go. So if you have like the November Rain life story, you should put like a mix together. I should. You know, yeah. That's the thing. I was thinking about it afterwards because it's like I was just random 80s, 90s videos and stuff coming up. <laughs> you really need one that's catered more towards what's going on in the story. Yep. But yeah, that's be a good playlist to put together. <laughs> of course, you know all you slow readers need not apply. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so our recording of episode fifty-two was uh, cut short, so we did not get to finish up our conversation about the uh, boys Amazon series. Uh, we will continue that conversation at a later date, um, as well as. Uh, the conversation we plan to have on a, a Batman recommendation. We were hoping to get that Batman book recommendation in in time for Batman Day, which is, of course, uh, Saturday, September 21st, this coming Saturday. Uh, so I did want to let you know about some information, some things that are going to be happening at Campus Comics on uh, Batman Day. So first off, there's going to be several specials in store, including all uh, trade paperbacks and hardcovers are going to be 30% off. Story bundles are going to be 50% off. The dollar comics are going to be marked down to 50 cents a piece. Most of the statues that are uh, in stock are going to be 20% off. New arrivals are excluded from that uh, sale price. And then all variant cover comics are going to be 50% off whatever the price is marked on the book. In addition to that, there's going to be several artists uh, in the shop. Uh, Joe Dodd, Justin Holman, David Clark, and Matt Sprody are all going to be present uh, doing sketches, having prints to sale. And then local writer uh, Jason Nugent is also going to be hand on hand with his books. And then uh, there are going to be several cosplayers in the store, including uh, Batman, uh, the Batman Who Laughs, uh, Harley Quinn, and Alfred. So we hope that you will uh, find the time to come out to Campus Comics on Saturday, September 21st, and take advantage of some of those sales, and meet some of the artists and writers, and of course get your picture taken with some of the cosplayers. So we will see you on Saturday, September 21st.